Hey community, in today's episode, Wisdom Moon, the founder of Marketing with Wisdom, sits down with Matt McCoy to talk about his tips for successfully releasing your own worship music. So if you're a songwriter or if your church has ever wanted to release their own music, we hope you find this interview helpful and full of practical tips. Enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Loop Live. So glad that you are joining us today. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the founder of loopcommunity.com. And I'm the host of the Loop Live show, and today we have a very special guest. We have Wisdom Moon. He is the founder of Christian Music Marketing and Lula Records. And we're going to talk today about a subject that many of you actually ask us about, and it is releasing your own music and how to do it effectively. So a lot of you guys are worship leaders at churches. You're writing, you're recording your own original music, but how do you actually release it? effectively. We're going to talk about that today. If you guys have any questions during the conversation, type them in to the chats. We might take some live questions if we get some good ones, but what are we waiting for? Let's go ahead and bring in Wisdom Moon. Wisdom, how's it going, man? Hey, going well. How are you? Good to see you, man. I'm good. It's been a while since we talked, and I'm really, really grateful that you took the time to join us today on the Loop Live show. Tell us just a little bit about your background. Like how... What is it that you've been doing for many years yeah. and uh, give, give some people some overview? Yeah, first and foremost, I'm a church guy. I've worked in church ministry for a long time. I'm actually still currently a part-time worship leader at my church in downtown Kansas City. And I've worked in a lot of different sectors, nonprofit, uh, businesses, and um, I spent a lot of time in Nashville, worked at Centricity Music and Integrity Music, uh, doing marketing. Uh, at Centricity, I helped launch the worship imprint there and got yeah. to work with some incredible artists like Lauren Daigle. Uh, Integrity Music, I worked um, with artists like Pavelosh, Darling Check, All Sons and Daughters, and uh, really, both places, I focused a lot of my efforts in uh, really the worship resource brand that they had, and then also helping market new releases. And then four years ago, I started Christian Music Marketing to help uh, people that are not signed to a label be able to release their music effectively. And then last year, started Lula Street Records, which is our own record label that helps uh, independent artists be able to keep their uh, copyrights, like the ownership and creative control, and then also at the same time get uh, support from a bigger label uh, structure. So, yeah, that's what I do. That's pretty awesome, man. And I first met you, I think, right before you started working for Integrity. You were doing all of, was it called All About Worship, right? Yeah, yeah. All about yeah, worship. Yeah, all like about music. worship. So we met back then. That was a that was a while ago. And yeah. um, you're an expert, though, in this whole idea of like, yeah, releasing music, uh, marketing music. You've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, a lot of the people who are listening to this, so many churches and worship leaders are wanting to write and record and release their own music. And so you guys offer a lot of services. I know that. And I I actually want you to share a little bit later about what services you guys offer at Christian Music Marketing and and Lula. What would you say, though, is the biggest mistake that you see artists making when releasing new music? So if it's an independent artist and they're releasing an album, like what's the biggest like misstep you think you see people make? I would say the biggest thing is when you have the recording 
done, whether you're hiring it out or whatever, and you have the final master in hand and you have no clue what you're doing after that. <laughs> That's the biggest mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and you, know, and you just upload it to DistroKid and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. A lot of producer friends I talk to also, you know, they have artists that like once they hand off the final masters, the artist literally is like, great. Now what do I do? <laughs> you know, and there's no plan. So I think the biggest mistake is not having a plan for the music that you're recording before the recording is done. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of times artists will just distribute it through a place like DistroKid and then just throw it out there at a random day and yep. hope for the best and there's no strategy behind it <laughs> yeah that's so interesting yeah so when you think about a release schedule you know i know a lot of times like when an album comes out they release singles ahead of time and sometimes i don't know what the exact word is for it but like the release the singles are actually like pre-orders of the album but other times they actually release singles as separate singles and yeah. then they put them all on the album what, what do you think is like a good release schedule? Yeah, it really depends on like your goals and what you need to achieve with the music. And, you know, we work with a lot of churches and sometimes churches are, I think, more restricted in how they can release music and how creative they can get with it versus independent artists that we work with or even, you know, smaller labels we work with. Uh, they're more flexible is what I found. So a lot of churches, they have like certain things that they have to do that year. Like we have to put out an album and yeah. we have this budget and this, you know, time frame that we need to do it within. So I would say if you don't have those restrictions, uh, really the approach that we recommend typically, let's say you have 10 songs you want to release in 2023 yeah. is uh, the strategy actually that you're referring to is called waterfalling. So when you do a waterfall strategy, that means you're releasing one song at a time. And typically we recommend, you know, keeping them four to six weeks apart. And you're uh, adding on the previous releases every time you release a new single. So your first single is going to just be by itself. Your second single ne the next month would include yeah. that new single and the first single as well. And you just basically continue to add that and you're kind of like building on you know to the releases uh, kind of like almost like lego blocks you know and then by the time you get to the 10th release if you did that you know all 10 songs that would mm -hmm. take pretty much like 10 months you know which is yeah. a whole year uh and that's really the ideal time and uh the ideal way to release 10 songs is to really offer it to the world like one song at a time because mm -hmm. there's so many different benefits nowadays with doing it that way. So by the time you release the 10th song, you have all 10 songs on that release, which right. makes it an album naturally. So uh, there's just a lot of different reasons for doing it that way. And, you know, I'm happy to like answer any detailed questions about that. Do you release them on the same album or at the end of that, would you have probably like six different actually album art releases or is it all just one album art and everything's inside of that one? Yeah. So as far as the artwork goes, you can have like one main um, artwork for the album and then maybe make some tiny tweaks like the song title or maybe the color scheme is a little different 
or you can get really creative and do something totally different with uh, each release, you know, art artwork. So you can go at, uh, go about it in a couple of different ways. Uh, we have a church that we're working with that has a different artwork for each single. And then the album is actually like the combination of all the release, uh, yeah. previous releases, cover art. So it kind of like yeah. comes together. So, uh, so I would say, it, you know, you want to be, yeah, go ahead. Well, if you did it that way, does that mean that when it's all said and done, it's possible that the same song is released twice? Because you've got one is the single that was released like six months earlier and then another that yep. was released on the final album. Yeah. So actually, if you uh, do it like one song at a time, and you have 10 songs. So the 10th month, you're releasing the whole album. That first single essentially is releasing like 10 times, you know. Uh, oh. But yeah, you can go back and actually remove the other releases in the future if you wanted to keep it more yeah. clean on Spotify. Yeah. Uh, but the key thing is you need to use the same ISRC code, which yeah. is like your distributor gives you that code. Your ISRC code for the song is kind of like your social security number. You know, you, each individual song has a different number. And then each release, like the project yeah. has a different code called UPC code. And that's different per project. So that's kind of like your home address. And then the ISRCs are your social security numbers. That's super helpful. So that's the first I've actually ever heard of a waterfalling strategy. Because I think if I'm gathering this correctly, what you're saying is then each release, say release number one is one song. Release number two has two songs on it. It has the first song and the second song. Release number three has one, two, and three. Wow, yeah. that's very, that's fascinating. Yeah, right. and uh, let's say like your first song got on a playlist, yeah. like a, a independent playlist, and you want to make sure that you know that those numbers don't get lost, and your song still continues to be on that playlist. So, like, if you actually use the same ISRC code, that's where that comes really handy, and then it's mm -hmm. really important because if you create a new ISRC code then you are going to lose that placement on a playlist yeah. so that's really important that's interesting all right so let's tr actually transition to talking about playlists how we i think we all know that playlists are important but in 2022 how important are they what would you say like is it like really really yeah. important is it the most important thing now at this point I would say the most important thing when you're releasing music is awareness because mm -hmm. that's really the biggest challenge that anybody has, churches and artists releasing music. You know, as we've all heard probably now, there's over 60,000 songs every single day being uploaded to Spotify. That's wow. a lot of songs, you know, and even if you said, okay, out of the whole week, uh, 60,000 songs a day, let's say only a thousand of them are Christian songs. That's still a lot of songs that, you know, you're trying yeah. to get people's attention and a thousand other Christian artists are trying to get people's attention, the same audience really. So that's where really it's all about awareness and mm -hmm. you have to create awareness about your music and playlisting is one way to do that, but it's not the only way. And it's not necessarily the most effective way. It kind of depends on the song and how good you are even with, you know, pitching to playlists. And then also if you get on an editorial playlist, that can really change the game as far as like playlisting goes because everybody looks at editorial playlists. Like the independent, you know, curators on Spotify, they look at New Music Friday Christian. 
to see what songs they should add on their playlist. So if you can get on an editorial playlist, that can really help boost your streams and how many other playlists that you get on. Uh, but the past, I would say like the past two or three years, things have really shifted with editorial playlists where if you look at um, the copyright line of that, of the releases on that playlist or other editorial playlists, you're going to find uh, that most of them are actually released through a big distributor that pitches to editorial or labels mm. um, yeah. or label services. Very few of them are 100% independent, like they're uploading to DistroKid. So yeah. your chances of getting on an editorial playlist these days as just a 100% independent artist is very slim. Mm. So I guess the golden question is, so how do you get your music? How would an indie part artist get their music on a playlist? So editorial playlists, um, really, you know, that's actually why we started Lula Street Records, because we saw this shift happening to, you know, editorial playlists, especially to yeah. really focus on, you know, uh, label releases and big distributor releases that they partner with. And so through Lula Street, we, we offer distribution, and which includes pitching to editorial. And so that's one way, like you can partner with a distributor or like a label or label services company uh, where they pitch for you. And there's a little bit more attention to that. Um, You'll like, officially, they're not going to tell you that like Spotify won't say that, you know, none of the DSPs, the digital service providers are going to actually say that um, publicly. But if you look at editorial playlists, you can kind of, you know, gather that that's what's happening and so i would say that's a big way that you can you know increase your chances of editorial playlisting uh if you want to pitch yourself outside of editorial to even like independent curators like i have a pretty big playlist on spotify and you know people have tried to pitch things to me uh you have to kind of almost take it as like a part-time job um i've you know had artists that actually will dedicate like 10 hours a week to research curators on Spotify because it's really hard to find their information. Uh, I don't have my personal email or work email out there for people to pitch to. So you have to do some digging and you almost have to become like a digital stalker (laughs) to find these curators information. So you try to find their, you know, some kind of contact information, whether it's like social media or email or website and then the biggest mistake with that, I think, is because uh, I get these pitches all the time, is mm-hmm. you basically reach out to the curator and say, hey, I would love for you to check out this song and consider it for your playlist. And then that's like the whole message. And there's a link to it. The issue with that is that you're not the only one pitching to me. You know, there's 100 other artists pitching their songs to me as well. And Nobody has time to sift through all of that because nobody outside of editorial, they're really not doing this as their part-time or full-time job. This is like right. a hobby, you know, like a side thing for them. Right. And so you have to know how to stand out when you're pitching to playlists. And I would say uh, there's different ways to approach that where hopefully like you can add value to the curator before you're even pitching to, uh, to mm. their playlist. So 
for example, if you have a thousand followers on Instagram or maybe you have a pretty big email yeah. list, um, I would recommend actually sharing that curator's playlist through your Instagram stories or your email list and then contacting the curator and saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know I love your playlist I'm a, and I recently promoted it and then send them like a link or a screenshot of it. And then uh, follow it up with, you know, I have a new song uh, releasing this Friday or I have a song that just released um, if you have a chance, you know, to check mm -hmm. it out. That yeah, yeah. goes a lot further than all you do is just pitch your song yeah. and there's nothing in it for them because you're yeah. not a big artist that they recognize. Would you say that press releases are important in today's world? Uh, press releases, I would say, serve a purpose. Uh, just like you know, anything uh, within your strategy can serve a purpose. You know, whether it's playlisting or running ads, uh, you have you have to kind of determine like because um, you know any church or artist has limited resources, whether that's time. Mm -hmm. uh, so if press releases are a thing that you want, you know, you want to pursue that but you don't have the budget. You have to learn yeah. how to write a press release and you have to find all these contacts that you can send it out to. So mm -hmm. it's costing you in time or it's going to cost you in resources. So you're going to you know, hire that out and pay somebody else to write it, send yeah. it out to their list. Uh, so you have to kind of weigh the, weigh the pros and cons and also weigh like what are your goals with the release. Uh, yeah. The press releases that are really effective are ones that have a compelling story. So hmm. let's look, we have a client um, we're sending a you know press release out for where they had, uh, we actually sent the press release out, I think already um, where, oh, actually it's for the album that hasn't come out yet. And it's basically talking about how this one song was, inspired by um their like miscarriage and not you know able yeah. to uh get pregnant and then just praying through yeah. that and that's a pretty compelling story and then now like they actually have a baby you know yeah and so uh if you have a compelling story versus like if you're like hey me and a couple of people that you know love writing together wrote this song and we released it then Nobody mm -hmm. really is going to pay attention yeah. because there's nothing compelling about it. So yeah. if you have a compelling angle with your release, uh, that's where press releases can help open some doors, whether it's mm -hmm. like a feature on their website. And a press release essentially is letting media outlets know about your release. And within Christian music, those are you know different platforms that review music or promote music yeah. in Christian music. So um one way would be they're featuring your song or they're reviewing your song, or maybe they have a podcast like this. They're, you know, wanting you, you to get on to get interviewed. Mm. So uh, it ser serves a purpose. Um, I think you have to just figure out like, what are the things? Cause obviously if you say yes to a press release, you're going to have to say no to something else. Mm -hmm. And what are your priorities? Yeah. So I totally get the story thing. Cause I even Think about the Katie Nicole song and that blue. Oh, yeah. She had a story really yeah. behind that song. Got a oh, possible. Yeah. And speaking of Katie Nicole, I think it goes to my next question of like, how important is video 
like can an artist just release music without doing any sort of like it seems like everybody's doing music videos now but is that necessary do you have to do that man <laughs> i would say if you if you have the time and resources video content is really really important yeah but i totally understand that not everybody has that uh and not everybody you know, wants to spend thousands of dollars creating a video. Um, yeah. I would say this, because I've seen people try to do music videos and performance yeah. videos. I would say, and some people may disagree with me, <laughs> I would say it's better not to release a video versus like releasing a video that sucks. That's bad. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 If you release something on YouTube and the quality yeah. is really bad or it's just super cheesy, it's going to actually hurt you more than help you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. And it's interesting because then you think about like, you know, the Katie Nicole thing, she blew up on TikTok and it was just like her phone, like sitting in the corner, but it was just her sharing yeah. the song that she wrote. And I think that's a different type of video. It's not like she was making a music yeah. video. She was more of just, that was like a social media yeah. post. And you probably, would you say that TikTok is a good platform for right now for artists to be releasing their music on? Yeah, I actually just did a video on this um, on TikTok and Instagram. I think TikTok is the number one platform right now for artists and mm -hmm. you need to be on TikTok. Uh, I had some people contact me uh, from the video and they were like, well, what if I'm um concerned about my privacy and you know whatever like privacy concerns that come you know have come yeah. up with tiktok what i tell them is then don't go on tiktok if you are <laughs> concerned about you know uh, yeah, yeah. the privacy policy then yeah, yeah i don't think you should use tiktok uh so it's a yeah. you know obviously you have to make that personal decision uh yeah. for me i i guess i don't really have concerns when it comes to privacy on the social media platforms i basically assume there's no privacy <laughs> like yeah, yeah my all of our information is everywhere it's all out there like, yeah I mean, right it's, it's just the really way it is. hard to stop it yeah. yeah so i think it's really for me i'm not concerned about that i want to utilize the tools that are available that are yeah. effective right now mm -hmm. and tiktok is a really effective platform i would say to just short form vertical videos are the best things to create right now. So yeah. like a, you know, quick performance video in the garage or whatever. Uh, yeah. I think you should get creative, not just copy somebody else's idea, but get yeah. creative in how you present your music. And uh, really the key with short form videos is in the first two seconds, you have to hook the viewer. Yeah. So if you're taking two seconds to like get situated or like get talking on the video, you're going to lose most of the people that come across your video. So yeah. that's why editing is really important. Uh, you have to just keep their attention and keep it interesting, you know, hook them in with something really compelling versus, hi, my name is, you know, so and so, and I'm an artist. You all already lost that person, you know, yeah, you don't yeah. want to introduce yourself and all that stuff in a short form video. I, YouTube yeah. videos are different. Uh, yeah, short form videos are really effective right now. That's TikTok, Instagram Reels, and YouTube Shorts. I would really focus on those. Yeah, get right to it. What about distribution platforms? You know, you've got CD Baby, TuneCore. Is there is there like one that you really like 
for independent artists? Uh, I always recommend DistroKid for like a, you know, just a typical artist that yeah. doesn't maybe have a, a huge catalog. Uh, if you have a big catalog, there are some more exclusive distributors you can go out to and reach out to. And they'll have some more like bells and whistles or features like they'll pitch yeah. to, you know, DSPs and things like that. But if you're just kind of starting out and you don't have relationships in the industry, you don't have like a yeah. catalog to show for, um, because essentially like a distro kid is fully automated. So mm -hmm. they can scale and take on as many artists as they want. Uh, whereas a more of an exclusive like private distributor, they have to be very selective in who they take on. And typically it's a royalty share. So they're looking for artists that have some proven track record and they have some success on DSPs. And that's where like you could benefit from that relationship. But you also have to do the work to get to the point where they would actually yeah. be interested. Mm -hmm. So DistroKid is great because they don't take any percentage of your royalties. And uh, there's a lot of great features that they offer that are included and then also right. uh, you can do some add-ons if you want to to like monetize things on youtube and things like that that can really help benefit you as an independent yeah i was actually recently looking at kind of the different distribution options and i noticed that DistroKid charges like a yearly fee they don't take yeah. a cut off of what you're, they're gathering in royalties or whatever but they charge a yearly fee where someone like cd baby is a one-time payment but then they take a cut of all your future royalties. It's a one-time payment. You're paying for every release. So if you did 10 singles next year, you're paying for every one of those releases. Whereas mm -hmm. just DistroKid has unlimited rele releases in a year. Right. But then do you have to keep paying to keep it up? Like Yeah. So DistroKid, like you would years. have to yeah, keep paying every year. Uh, yeah. I do think there's a feature that you pay one time where you, you can basically like, continue to have them collect your royalties for them, even if you leave them. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's good to just uh, A, B, you know, compare like yeah, all the yeah. options that are out there. Uh, I just personally have uh, really liked the DistroKid like interface and just what they offer is just pretty straightforward one-time fee, yeah. you know, once a year fee. Um with no royalties and it's unlimited releases so yeah it allows you to have like just a set you know annual budget for it i mean you're talking like 35 bucks a year you know it's pretty right i think that's about how much it is so right so let's talk about recouping costs because it's not cheap to record music at least to do it well and back in the day it used to be a lot easier to recoup costs because you could sell CDs, you know, at 15 bucks a piece and the profit margin was pretty high on those. Or, But now with streaming royalties, it's a little harder to make back that recoupment. Um, if yeah. ever, honestly, for an independent artist, you may never yeah. make back the $10,000 plus maybe you spent on a project. Yeah. Do you have any tips I would on say... how to be recouping costs as an independent artist? Yeah, even for signed artists, it's really hard too because when you sign to a label, uh, more of a traditional model label, you're yeah. basically taking an advance. You know, you get paid in advance, but the label is recouping that advance 
through your you know revenue right. your income so right uh, i know i have plenty of um artist friends that were signed to labels that are still recouping on <laughs> their all their wow. expenses yeah because a label also not they don't just charge for your like production that they paid for they're charging for marketing they're charging if they did any radio promotions they're charging for that they'll charge you for advertising costs uh if you have a business meal with them they're you're yeah. paying for that you know there's a lot of expenses yeah. that the artist is recouping and it's a, a lot it probably takes a lot longer for somebody that was signed to recoup those costs versus like an independent artist to recoup their costs because yeah. of that reason so uh for an independent artist i would really shift your thinking um, when it comes to streaming platforms. So typically, like we think about Spotify, Apple Music, these places as like, oh, I, I can make money from my music, from people streaming my music. Yeah. I actually look at it differently. I look at it as a discovery platform and opportunity versus a revenue opportunity for most independent artists. You're not really going to see a ton of money come through through streaming uh, but like the discoverability of these platforms, what they offer, I mean, we've never had anything like this in the history of you know music because, yeah. I mean, you had to be signed to a label and they had to distribute through bookstores and people had to like physically go to a bookstore, buy a CD. Mm-hmm. Now, like any of us can go on DistroKid, sign up and release music. I mean, you could release music every day of the year if you wanted to, you know, right, and right. it makes it so easy. Um, and really, that's why, like, there's a lot of you know negative talk about these platforms like Spotify. But uh, when you think about it as like, man, they're giving you a tool like a software marketing where yeah. you can make your music available worldwide at yeah. the tip of like a couple of Everybody's mouse clicks on. and you can have your music on Spotify like it's crazy that you have yeah. that opportunity. So yeah. I would look at it as like, this is a great discovery platform, not yeah. revenue generating platform. I think, yeah, you'll get streams. If you're smart about your releases and your marketing, you can recoup stuff through streaming, but also um, for maybe people that have a hard time getting streams and getting playlisted, you want to look at, okay, how do I take the people that are discovering my music on these platforms and really convert them and like take them on this journey to become more of like the passionate fans is what we call mm-hmm. them. So you take them from streaming your music to how do that, how do you encourage them to buy your merch or book you for a show and things like that? Um, yeah. I think there's gotta be other ways that you generate income and not rely just on streaming royalties. Yeah. And so when you think about um, worship songs specifically, there's CCLI revenue that could be pretty significant for artists and churches. So that's a you know potential stream of income for the artist or the church, but that could take three, four years of yeah. you really investing into those songs and promoting the songs. So none of it, I would say, is really like, when you think about longevity as an artist or a church yeah. releasing music, none of it is short term. Everything is long term. You have to look at mm-hmm. it long term. You have to think about it as like, how do I create awareness long term? How do yeah. I create trust with people? So when it comes down to, you know, like 
man, how do these, some of these like, you know, movements or churches release something on Friday and people are literally playing their songs on Sunday at church. How does that happen? It's because they've built the trust and credibility with Mm. these churches and worship leaders that takes time, effort, resources. Yeah. Wow. So for collecting money, where should an artist be registered to collect money for their music or is it better to go to choose the options in DistroKid where they just collect it all for you from YouTube from, or should they all, or should an artist be registered separately? Tell us about where we sh- where that, where that should all happen. Yeah. So DistroKid doesn't actually collect all of her, all of your royalties. Um, I'm not an expert when it comes to like royalties and publishing royalties yeah. and all that jazz. Uh, I would say your distributor will collect royalties on your your masters. So people streaming your music, they're collecting royalties on that. So yeah. that's kind of taken care of. There's a whole publishing side to it as well, though. And uh, you need to be registered with a PR a performance rights organization, like a BMI, ASCAP. Um, those two, anybody can go and register. And also, uh, when you register, you need to register as a songwriter and a publisher if you're self-published. And then you also have to register with um, an organization called the MLC. Or you either you do that directly or you have to set up um, some kind of partnership with a publishing administrator. There's mm-hmm. one called Song Trust that's kind of like open to the public that you can register to. Uh, like if you register with Song Trust, you don't have yeah. to register with the MLC. Uh, yeah, so there's you. that publishing side, yeah. And then there's the whole like CCLI side. You need to be registered with them if you're doing church music, you know, worship songs. Yeah. It's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot, yeah. a lot of things to keep track of. So if someone had a few yeah. thousand dollars, let's just say an indie artist. And I don't even know if this is a lot of money or a little money. I mean, in this world, but let's just say an indie artist has a few thousand dollars to put behind. So they got their masters from the producer and then they've got an extra few thousand dollars to put behind promoting the release of the music. Where should they put that money? Is it like Google ad, like Facebook ads? Is it TikTok ads? Is it, can you pay for ads on Spotify? I don't even know. Uh, You can advertise on Spotify uh, only to free users. Hmm. So you can decide if that's worth it or not. Uh, I would say if you have a few thousand dollars to promote, um, there's a couple of things. I think it all, you know, I always go back to like, what are your goals? Mm-hmm. Like if, and it kind of depends on like, what are your goals as a church to, if you're releasing as a church, because sometimes, you know, you just to continue to uh, fund your, you know, music ministry, like the external side of things, Maybe you need to show some numbers to your pastor or your you know leadership team to go, okay, people are engaging with our content outside of our church. Yeah. And so if that's really important to be able to show to your church, then I would say you should focus on the streaming numbers, you know, um, mm-hmm. and streaming numbers. It's not just on the DSPs like Spotify. It's also YouTube, like YouTube mm-hmm. views count as streams. So uh, a lot of churches, you know, that's important to them. So I would say working with somebody like Christian Music Marketing uh, to help with your playlist pitching, streaming marketing, uh, I think that's a good investment. 
the other thing is digital ads. Uh, I would say really where you're going to see the biggest bang for your buck, at least like when we're, we're, we're setting up ads, we get the biggest bang for our buck on YouTube. So if you have a performance video or, or a lyric video, those two uh, would be like more of the recommended videos to run ads on. Uh, we're typically seeing anywhere from like one to three cents per view. And okay. you can't get that really like anywhere else, uh, yeah. whether it's like, you know, Spotify ads or Instagram yeah. ads. We've just not been able to duplicate, you know, replicate that any other platform. So YouTube ads, it can really go a long way. Um, you know, you can spend 50 bucks and see some good results on there. Uh, if you have, you know, a few hundred dollars to thousands of dollars on on just like ad spend, I would focus on Instagram, uh, especially Instagram stories is a really good place because um, some of the platforms that you advertise on like Facebook, there can tend to be some like bots that will basically like get, get you view like clicks and impressions that you're paying for, but then they're not actual people that are seeing it. Whereas Instagram stories, bots can't really swipe up on your Instagram story yet. So it kind of protects you from that and keeps you mm. in front of like real people. And yeah. swipe up ups are pretty easy for people to do, you know, for the call to action to be. So that's a, another good platform. Um, we're also currently like te- testing out TikTok ads. And TikTok ads, I think, are great for if you're like new to TikTok, you're creating consistent content and you're wanting to like get more people to view, you know, it's again, it's awareness, yeah. you know, to view your yeah. content, to get more followers on TikTok. I think that's helpful. Uh, but yeah, it really depends on your goals. You want to match whatever you're investing uh, into with your goals. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I would also um, just to set like realistic expectations because I think that's also sometimes hard when you're first starting out. You have all these expectations. We actually like just had a new inquiry and we did like a discovery call somebody on our team. And the person that reached out has no music out um, Mm -hmm. and they're like just kind of like starting out writing songs that they're putting out, you know. And they're asking about radio and playlisting. And we basically have to tell them, like, those are not realistic expectations for where you're at right now. And we don't even know if we could take on the pitching of your song until we hear the quality of your song, you know? Right. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah, because that would be, if someone didn't have expectations or realistic expectations, it could be pretty disheartening to them as well when they're like, oh, man, I only got 100 streams. And it was probably my mom, you know, (laughs) Uh, that's hard, man. So, and all that stuff you just mentioned, that's what Christian music marketing does, right? Like you can help artists do that. Yeah. Yeah. We do all of that. And yeah, again, like really our goal is to help artists and churches with long-term longevity and just long-term awareness and so we try to really encourage uh, all the strategy towards that. Uh, but we do know like there are short term things that you have to also invest into to be able to do it long term, to be able to show the team like, here's what we're seeing with this you know, release that we just put out a month ago. Yeah. 
And then that gives you a little bit more leverage to go, okay, can we invest a little bit more into marketing for the next single, you know? So we, we do think it's, you know, like short term and long term kind of go hand in hand. Um, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, some of the bigger names in worship music, when they're releasing music, they're not spending hundreds of dollars on ads or thousands of dollars on ads. They're spending like tens, hundreds of thousands, you know. So when you have expectations to see your songs do the same as those, you know, artists and churches, but you're spending hundreds of dollars, it's just not realistic. Yeah, it's apples to oranges. So Christian music marketing. Tell us now what Lulu Records does. What what is it that Lulu Records does differently than maybe another independent label? So yeah, Lulu Street Records, we really focus on uh, partnering with artists that want to stay independent. So uh, a big thing with, you know, staying independent is that you keep your ownership. And so uh, that another word for that is IEP, intellectual property. Like your yeah. the songs that you write, that's your intellectual property, right? And that's really the most valuable thing that you have. So traditionally, labels would take ownership of that in exchange for investing into you as an artist, whether that's through production and marketing, radio, Mm -hmm. touring. So we really um, give back the ownership to the artist and the creative control, because that's another thing you're giving up when you sign it to like a traditional model. So this is for, you know, independent artists that are looking to stay independent. They want to keep creative control and ownership of the music. We're providing the support with distribution, which includes pitching and also publishing administration and accounting. Because like you mentioned, that's just a lot of work in itself, like just admitting your catalog. I mean, that could be a full time job. Um, And we actually partner with uh, my former employer, Integrity Music, and their team handles a lot of the back end stuff for accounting. And they have a big team that handles just publishing admin, accounting, royalty payouts, yeah. licensing songs. Yeah, um, so we're providing, yeah, um, they're an awesome team. And they're providing, you know, basically we're providing uh, a large label support, even as a small label, uh, because yeah. of our partnership to yeah. artists that are, you know, doing like we really are looking for artists that are willing to like work hard and do yeah. their part in getting the music out there and marketing it yeah. and not just relying on, well, if I just, you know, work with Lula street, then yeah. all my problems are solved because it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we want a mutual partnership where yeah. we're both working hard to, you know, make things a success and like create awareness. So if you guys don't have ownership, how are you guys making that work? Because there's no way you're doing that for free, right? Does the artist just pay like maybe a monthly fee or? I mean, I wish I could do it for free, but yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Uh, that's not how, how our world works. Uh, we yeah. basically do a royalty share, so okay. or revenue share. Uh, so yeah. basically, if your music does well, then obviously yeah. everybody wins. So it's a revenue share model. Uh, if you know your music doesn't do well, then we all aren't doing well. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that really helps the artists uh, feel like it is a genuine partnership and we're yeah. all working together with the same goal. And I really do like that because, you know, teamwork makes the dream work and uh, yeah. it would make an artist feel good. To know, like, OK, they're motivated to help my music grow because the more it grows, we all win. And that's yeah. the best situation. So 
That's awesome. Wisdom, you have like dumped a ton of wisdom here <laughs> on like in, on introducing uh, music out into the marketplace. What what are like some next steps for someone? Would they Can they reach out to Christian Music Marketing or is it through Lula or how would they get? Yeah. So if you're looking for marketing help, you know, like you're looking for a marketing team that knows what they're doing and that works with transparency and integrity because there's a lot of you know marketing yeah. services out there and websites out there that will promise you a lot of things and uh, when you actually dig deeper into it they're using bots and things that you'll yeah. see inflated numbers there but your impact is actually not growing because it's not real people so yeah. we focus on like real people impact uh because mm-hmm. like we want your music and your yeah. message to go out and impact real lives so if you're interested in that, uh, yeah, you can head over to christianmusicmarketing.com and reach out to us that way. And then if you're looking for basically like a distribution and admin partner, uh, that's mm-hmm. what Lula Street Records is for. So you can head over to lulastreetrecords.com. That's L-U-L-A. Or uh, another website we have is called pathmusic.co, pathmusicco. So um, yeah. it's basically like a division of Lula um, and it's essentially the same thing. So yeah, you can reach out to us on any of those platforms. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, just share all this information. And I hope that people come to you and get help with releasing their music. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. And yeah, I I'm really passionate about this topic because I think it's really important for us to be good stewards of the music we're putting out. And if yeah. we just do it haphazardly, I don't think we're being good stewards of what God's entrusted us with. So yeah. I think yeah. it's a really important thing to talk about. So thanks for giving us the opportunity to do that. That's awesome, man. Hang on here for, for one minute at the end. I have one question for you. But thank you so much for joining us, Wisdom. We'll see you soon. Thanks. All right. Thanks. All right, you guys. Such a good conversation with Wisdom Moon. If you are an artist who are, is writing music, recording music, wanting to release music, or a church, maybe you guys are releasing your own album at church or wanting to, and you're starting to think about that, I would highly recommend that you reach out to Wisdom and his team. Go to christianmusicmarketing.com and uh, get in touch with them. I think, uh, honestly, this is an episode that you might want to listen to a few times because there was so much information in there. Take notes. Write down in the comments what's one thing that you're walking away from. If you've released your own music, also write down in the comments, post a, paste a link to your music, and maybe also share a little story behind the song as Wisdom was talking about. Like, why... What's the story behind the song and the release that you did? So anyways, thanks for joining us for the Loop Live show, and we'll see you next time. Hey, guys, this is Matt McCoy. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's podcast. We're trying to provide content that's really helpful and meaningful to you as a worship leader. So make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay tuned for more from the community.